Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. It is definitely one of my favorites. I had an incredible conversation with Mr. Rakim Jenkins. We were able to talk about the incredible time that we are living in right now with COVID-19 and so many people being quarantined to their homes. We're learning how to live and work from home. And he in particular is learning how to teach from home. And so we had a conversation about what that looks like for students, but we also spent a bulk of this having a deep, deep analysis of the current state of education and why it needs to change and how it needs to change. Um, I think that this is one of our enlightening future forward, future focused episodes. And I really look forward uh, to hearing from you guys about how you felt about it what you liked, what you didn't like, what you think we should implement, what we don't think we should implement. I really think it's going to be a super um, thought-provoking episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education podcast. I am super, super excited for today's conversation. So as always, I'm going to give you the chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, my name is Rakim Jenkins. Uh, my students call me Amalu as well as my friends. Amalu means if you do not try, you will not succeed. So nice. good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So let's just start out talking a little bit about you and where you teach, what you teach, and just a little bit about, about yourself. Well, um, I teach at South Bronx Community Charter High School. I teach uh, history, most 10th, 10th grade history. Um, Black history, Black studies, everything um, encompassing it. Um, I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn. Um, I started teaching for, um, this is my sixth year of teaching um, out of uh, uh, Teach for America. Um, I live in Harlem um, and I love, I love the youth. Mm. Um, and that's it. That's really. it. That's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> So our conversation, we had a little bit of a conversation before recording, and uh, you talked a little bit about your school's particular teaching model, and I just wanted you to share with folks like what that is for people who are not um, familiar with project-based learning. So um, project-based learning, I don't know if it's like, well, we have like the traditional um, education and like standardized testing and things of that nature. Project-based learning um, is really a risk not like a, I would say a response to it, but um, pretty much it has four um, components, um, collaboration, authenticity, authenticity, iterative, and um, disciplinary. So pretty much the goal is not to kind of like teach to the test, but really think about um, how to engage um, students in a way um, that doesn't just, uh, memorization and route discipline right mm-hmm. so most most people think most people don't like uh project most people it's been like a kind of stigma about project-based learning right because there's like oh what are kids doing they're just doing projects feel me good like where's the learning right and if there's no like disciplinary like disciplinary practices if students can't read and write then like i don't care what model you have just throw it away right mm-hmm. but project does it pretty much allows you to use the culture the experiences of students and make them into the project prime example right we did one of our first projects this year was i teach you know united states history usually learn about the american revolution right um taxes uh you know uh overthrowing the government declaration of independence you know all that stuff right and most of the time that thing is um uh taught like uh, to the regions, right? But what mm-hmm. I would do, right? I did a couple of things, right? So what a project would take, one of my projects is I took the American Revolution and then I had students study the um, the three compromises of 1787, uh, the three-fifth compromise, the Bill of Rights, um, three-fifth compromise, the Bill of Rights, and the um, Missouri, um, and the Virginia compromise, right? The Great Compromise. And what I did with them is they had to not only learn the content, but we looked at Hamilton specifically, and we created, uh, we did rap battles with the, con- <laughs> with the content. So they did, they did some tasks, 
They came together, they presented on the compromises, and then we took Hamilton versus Jefferson, and we had them do rap battles using their experiences. And it wasn't just rap, they can do a rap, they can do a poem, they can do a letter, it could be anything. And then the good thing about a project is that for it to be authentic, it has to be something that goes beyond the classroom, right? Most of the time when we're learning, it stays in the classroom, but that's not really learning, right? What's their contribution to the world or what is the real world experience, right? That's the authentic part of the project-based learning model. So what we did was we did the battles and then we went to uh, go see Hamilton on Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. So that one, um, students could contend and then, right? So that's what we did. That's the project. But then I took the American Revolution and was like, okay, we're not going to only learn about the American Revolution. And this time period, what I did... Um, maybe a week ago during like COVID, um, I took the American Revolution, learned about the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, the French Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, I took different revolutions. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, we're gonna do a group project on these revolutions. What were the problems to these revolutions? What was the problems that sparked these revolutions? And how did they solve it? And now let's look at today's society and see what social issues that you care about that's gonna spark the next revolution. Mm. right so that's the project right it's a revolution so pick three social problems so, so some folks said hey i'm gonna pick um mass incarceration um the non-legalization of marijuana and um gender inequality right and these are the three issues that are going to spark on the next revolution just like taxes in the american revolution right um french revolution the um third estate right the haitian revolution slaves right this is the thing in our age that's going to spark this revolution so not only are students learning content they're able to like reimagine like what social problems mm. are going to spark, spark the next revolution not only spark the next revolution but i want you to overthrow the government right and now since it's you you're in charge of this government what you what are you going to create yes now that this is not here, right? So it gets them to reimagine this thing, right? And then, um, of course, if we were in school, like I would have them uh, presented and then have like a competition or something of that nature. So I think that's the beauty of the project-based um, model. Um, the thing is, for them to be able to come up with these letters, these raps, these ideas, they have to know the content. And so yeah. the idea is like the test if you give me a, a review sheet, that was all my tests in high school. I got my review sheet, everything that was on the review sheet, I just had to know that. So now I knew it, took the test. After I took the test, it was gone. Yep. Just where did it go? I don't know. But if I did this incredible project, that's something that I can go and will they know every single detail of everything about the Missouri Compromise? No, but most people don't. Yep. And really in the large scheme of their life, do they need it? But the skills that they learn throughout creating that are transferable. That's awesome. And, that, and that's the important thing, right? We need to go, and, and that's the thing, right, about project-based learning and the model that I teach in that South Bronx Community Charter High School. It's pretty much, we don't focus on, like, the test. Like, yeah, students pass the regents, right? Like, 80% mm -hmm. of my students pass the regents, right? But that's because I engage them in such a way to where they can memorize the content. And if we're really, if we're really, really, like, honest with ourselves, you can, you can uh, teach students to pass that region within two to six months, right? Like the fact that students, right? And they were like, the debate was like, oh, what do we do to regions now that COVID is up? Students have already got accepted to college already, yeah. right? Like <laughs> if students didn't do their five regions, they were already accepted to college. That tells you like how much- Doesn't matter. Like, the test didn't really matter, right? So, and New York is like, we're the only time, only state that really does regions. So really, um, one other project we did um, recently that we started is I'm proud of is a think tank project. And what we do is use design thinking to help um, um, students design their own curriculum. Mm. So our first year of doing it, right, students came up with these wildly successful um, curriculums. Um, and we wanted to look at what would an education look like in the 21st century that was actually responsive to student needs. And we felt like the only way, and it was like the first 10th grade class, right? Um, and we were new teachers. They've been there for another year. We're new teachers. 
So we knew that we couldn't just come in and be like, hey, we're the teacher. You've actually been in this school longer than us. So what we were trying to look at is like, you know what would be dope? If we had the students create their own projects mm. and create their own curriculum and the winner's project would go in the classroom. It had to be interdisciplinary, right? It had to be real world applicable, right? It was all of these things. One, one student, um, um, they did a project on using science and during the hurricanes and things of that nature on how to do a war, um, how to create a charger for your cell phone out of a watermelon, <laughs> a watermelon charger. Because as you know, like in the DR in Puerto Rico and in places like that, that was suffering from the hurricanes at this time, at that time period, they're pretty much was having problems connecting their um, family members and most folks were from the Caribbean. So they was like, hey, this social problem, this can be solved through science, right? Yeah. My another student uh, created, uh, a entre created a whole entrepreneur, uh, became entrepreneurs and um, created a campaign for, um, to, to support um, students with diabetes because one of the students had diabetes. Right, and that took math. Um, Priscilla does a great budget project. She teaches them how to budget, right? Like things that they actually need to know, and they use that to create um, create this whole thing. And they raise money for the uh, um, for the children with diabetes. They went and read to them, right? They were like, "Hey, you can go read to them," and um, they donated to the foundation. And we had about six to eight great, like, well, a lot of amazing projects. And then they went to Google, <laughs> the headquarters in New York, to um, to um, present their projects in front of educators in the field. Because it has to be real world, right? It has to go beyond the classroom, right? And, and their pairs. And then the winners we took to Educon in Washington, D.C., to present at the Educon conference, which is in Philly, I mean, well, Philly, um, which is an innovative uh, conference for innovative schools. And then we took students there and the panel and the discussion we were engaging in was on student-driven work, right? And when I find out, when we talk about student-driven work or students being in the driver's seat, when we go to conferences and classrooms, it's a bunch of teachers our administrators talking back to each other. Where are the students though, right? So it was real powerful for us to take students. Um, I took two students, two projects to Texas at South by Southwest last year, what? right? So, yeah, yeah, we took them to South by Southwest because the main thing is what is the what is the real world experience and what is the real world contribution that you're making to the world, right? Um, I'm the ninth grade to do a three dream project where they look at Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, Between the World and Me, Incredible and book. they read that book, and then they go um, critique the American dream, and they go to the Bronx Museum, or they and and they throw on something for the community, right? Um, well, that's the power um, project, huh? I mean, I think that's yeah. the power of Project Place Learning. So, and most people like you know they push back against it because of like, oh. There, there was a disciplinary practices at right like students are not going to pass the test right but what i would say one thing i would say to them now that we're there's no test right now yeah there's no test yeah. right and and it's showing you like did, did the test and when we're looking at covid right in this in this in this situation the most important thing was not the test at all the test did not save no one the regions didn't save anyone. So I think um, project-based learning um, coupled with the skills-based learning um, is an important part of what we do in our school. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so you brought up COVID. And so mm -hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about, because it's almost impossible to have any conversation about yeah. <laughs> or anything for that matter without yeah. bringing up COVID-19. Um, what has the transition been like for your school um, and, and for your students and for what's been going on um, with these obviously incredible students that you're teaching. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to um, preface it with um, most, what we're seeing from COVID is that this radical, I would say radical change mm. in education, right? But my issue is, right, why did it have to take a global pandemic for us to have a radical change in education, right? Our 
are, you know, where's all the reforms at? What all the reforms we were passing? Where's the common core? Where's all those things that we were passing? And where are they now? Yeah. Right? Everyone's scrambling to find something new and innovative. But the issue is, why do we have to wait to a pandemic to become innovative? Yeah. Right? There was something already structurally and institutionally wrong with the education system before COVID hit. Yep. And what all is it doing is seeing the things that we used to hide behind, like the four walls of a building where no one can inspect into it, is bringing out the real social, institutional inequalities that, and political, right, all these policies that were passed is really bringing it out, right? So my school was a part of an um, innovative school system um, uh, under um, Bloomberg. He uh, launches a young, um, young men's initiative mm-hmm. um, to, uh, pretty much um, respond to the lack of um, achievement between black and Latino students um, because of the racial structure, racism in the system. Let me just, I don't believe in the achievement gap. So, um, but pretty much our school from get-go was an innovative school. So when students come in in the ninth grade, they already have one-to-one laptops. Mm. They all get Chromebooks, right? And they put down a deposit to get the Chromebooks. And if they don't have the deposit, it's like, okay, hey, you need you need the laptop to be in our school. I had to bring a whole charging cart to the second floor because I was like, oh, no, you're not going to use that. <laughs> you don't have your charger on you as an excuse not to do work or, like, why you can't do work. But, like, you need the laptop in the school. But it begs a different, like, so the transition for us has been a little bit seamless mm-hmm. and easier because once students come in ninth grade, they used to using a laptop, right? But the issue is for me is like a lot of my friends and a lot of people I talk to, you know, and look at the, the Department of Education, um, they're scrambling to give kids uh, laptops and things like, are we not in a global, <laughs> like a global economy? Like what are we preparing students for? Mm if they don't have laptops and hot spots, right? Like, what are we doing, right? So our school was a one-on-one school, um, and we had one-to-one laptops. So all that we really had to do is figure out how to do the conferencing through our our grading app, Schoology, which was easy. Um, they, They figured it out. And we were up and running within, like, two to three days. Yeah. Kids go home and do their work on their laptops anyway. So my thing is, like, the transition has been easier, but just, just like, oh, give the kid a laptop and go do the work. No, tech, most kids we struggle in high school to use laptops because they don't use them in middle school. Mm-hmm. So even I struggle with my 10th graders in the beginning of the year to lose laptops, and I have to bridge the laptop with paper because, you know, they need to be – it's a skill. Yeah, Use technology is a skill, right? So, what I would say, like to folks who are like going to the laptops and online learning, remember it's a skill, just like reading and writing. How are you preparing students to learn how to engage with the technology, learn how to do these things as well? But since our students um, are one to one laptop, the transition has been easier for us, but it's still, we still have like struggles, right? Yeah, of course. Um, as a whole new system so yeah but I think you've just brought up so many different points about like your school has been proactive and so you were something like this can happen and be streamlined so quickly because again you guys were proactive you understood that we have to be preparing students to understand how to you like even for me I'm 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 Gen Z like I we're so we're all internet we're supposed to know all this stuff and in like I'm here with my notebook and my notepad like I still like writing on paper and I like having my notes in paper I like reading my books physically like that (laughs) that is how I am and so (laughs) I see it so it's like um to learn how to do it like I had to start teaching myself in college like I can't print out all these articles like I'm reading 45 pages every day like I can't do this so it's not easy to just expect these kids to go oh boop boop done and then everything is just going to be normal um but again you guys have been proactive to teaching them how to use all these systems because there's zero percent chance they're going to go to college and then get a job where they're not going to have to use laptops 
computers, phones, like understand how to use all these pieces of technologies and then have them integrate well. Like I've had, so, I've heard so many stories of parents who are like, I got to remember the passwords for all of these. The kid has Google Classroom and then Zoom and then they have Google Docs and then they have all these different things and I have to figure out how to do it. And so people are just kind of like, figuring it out and and there's too many people who know it and have it as a skill and because it's so easy for them and it comes so easy they're like why are people struggling like what is going on no empathy right (laughs) it's just yes i mean we need to figure out how to teach that in school jeez and so oh do you have something to say (laughs) and so i was just kind of like moving along here to continue to have like this really awesome conversation and and something that you brought up for me in our, our previous conversation that I really wanted to touch base on and really get and hone in on is your personal um, um, pedagogy, your personal way of teaching, your personal ideology around being a teacher. Because um, it's very, very different from many of the teachers that I had. Um, and so can we just talk a little bit about the idea for you that teaching is that you you it is important for you to teach your students and to teach with love, to be culturally responsive. So let's kind of like go through these yeah. different ideas um and why they're so important especially in this time like the last thing i want to say before you answer this question is like i had a conversation two podcast episodes ago um and our guest had made such an incredible point of like kids are not going to remember what they learned in spring of 2020 Mm -hmm. they're not going to remember what they learned they're going to remember how they felt And so I think that everything that we're about to talk about is going to hone in on like, this is what school should have been before and what it needs to be after because kids remember what they feel less than they remember the actual in 1962, like information. So like, I just want to kind of get into, into that personal theory that you have. Um, So it's not, it's, it's a theory, but it's a couple of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I tell folks, you know, I do teach history. Right. But I I, I say, folks, I don't teach history. I teach life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because when you start thinking about, um, if you separate the content from the character, then you just have empty vessels that you're teaching to, and you don't treat them with respect. Right. So I think one of my things is right. Most people are like, well, the interesting about online learning during this time is that there's two things, right? The con is that if you didn't have a relationship with a student in the classroom, how do you think you about to have a relationship with a student on the internet? If the student didn't like you in class, they're probably not gonna like you here. Right? <laughs> so like you didn't you didn't do your due diligence you know, mm-hmm. since August, September, whenever you started to build a relationship with students, right? And I think that's important, right? Like the relationship building with, with students, but it also creates a new opportunity, right? Because students, teachers would usually have to wait to June and be like, you know what? Dang, that went horrible for me. Let's, let's try next year, right? This is next year. Mm. Time is now. Right. Um, Bobby still said, seize the time. Right. So we're in a different, a different. So definitely um, relationship building is at the, the heart of it. Right. But how I look at it, I looked at I look at um, relationship building and how a teacher can enter the classroom through the lens of the um, pedagogy of the oppressed. Right. And there's a difference between right, the banking school of um, education and problem posing education at problem posing is kind of project-based learning banking is kind of traditional teach the test but that also talks about the teacher right there's four types of way i break it down in terms of how you can uh teach like how you can be a teacher right the most common two are the teacher comes in the classroom and they feel like they're the authority to the student they're over the student right i call that teaching to oppress mm. Right? Like most of the time, you do what I say because I said it. Like respect is not earned. It's because you have to call me Mr. or Mrs. Right? And, and I'm, I have this degree that I, I know that was best for you. Right? There's a one-sided thing. Mm. That's, that's, that's how most teachers are teaching to oppressed. And most of the times we use those tools of like no nonsense and all that other, whatever you want to call it, to socialize students right for the workforce but to really colonize black and brown bodies right and 
that's really what that what type of um, um, framework is for teaching, right? Another thing is uh, uh, you might not be oppressive, but it's teacher versus students, right? Teach mm-hmm. it like teacher versus students. And I call like teaching to colonize, right? It's like or teaching to manage, right? You're trying to manage the classroom. Oh, do this. Yes, you need classroom management, but it's over management, right? Where students bodies are colonized and that's all all you're there but then there's this two other models that i think that folks with project-based learning and like other pedagogies is teacher with student right and most folks say like i use analogy teaching is most folks say teaches like a tug of war but it doesn't have to be and even when it's a tug of war you're pushing and pulling with the student because you know you're both making each other better Mm. Teaching the collaboration is pretty much, um, pretty much not holding the rope and like tug of war, but letting the rope go and pulling with the student, mm-hmm. right? And collaboration, knowing that you're in this together, right? That's what the Africans believe, right? Like Ubuntu, I am because you are, right? We are, right? And I think that's 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 an important thing about teaching collaboration, approaching a classroom as a sense of collaboration, right? The student, I am the teacher, but I'm also the student. And a stu- we all have people to learn. Like reciprocity is a, an African principle that we don't have because there's an individual culture, right? Mm-hmm. But then you get to, once you do, you should start the class at teaching for collaboration, but then you get to another component, which is teaching for liberation and teaching for freedom, right? And that's when you lose, you know, when you kind of just, there's no rope, there's no chains, right? There's, there's no chains where the classroom is a space to develop folks for, for social justice, right? And to, to develop character and do those things. So pretty much what that could look like is really seeing what the student wants to do and getting out of their way. Mm. Right? It's like one of the things I do online right now is like we do discussion questions, right? Discussion questions start the lesson, but the students pick their own questions and it's what they want to do. And they have owned this part of class, right? So one student uh, put a question. Um, she was like, you know, if you could be born in any era, like where would you like, where would you want to be born and why? Five to seven sentences, right? I didn't tell her to write that. One student was like, hey, if you can go back, um, to the 1400s or 1619s, when your ancestors was brought to this, um, brought to this uh, uh, land, what would you? How would you? What would you do to the colonizers who snatch your people from their homeland? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, it was like, it was great, right? But like, that's me get, like getting out of their way, right? What do you want to do? So I think relationship building is important. And one of the issues that stop work for relationship building in schools is really this type of punitive, no-nonsense consequence type of system. Mm-hmm. All these don't smile to Christmas, all this other, this, this, this BS, right? And I say that because, right, what, what, what online learning is showing us is that, right, most of the things that you know we used to get on students for in school is no longer relevant. Oh, the student can't come to class because now you're wearing a uniform. I'm gonna come to class with my my do rag and my bonnet, right? <laughs> like, I, like that's how I'm coming to class. Uniform does not matter anymore, right? Or a student's late to school, or this like, where does that? Oh, students are always on social media. Well, they're always on the internet. Well, now they have to be, right? So most of the things that were, were um, like barriers, like I hope, stu- I, hope, I hope I don't see no schools, or, I hope schools are not suspending students at this time, right? <laughs> right? right? I, you know, we can have a 0% sus- suspension rate during COVID, like, come on. But what we're like, one of the things I believe in is, Restorative justice, you know, restorative justice, um, and pretty much like not penalizing 
student for being students, right? It's like outrageous. It's, it's like outrageous. So I have not, like, I don't kick students out of class. Um, I, there's no dean in my school. <laughs> there's no dean. No one's getting called, right? There's no dean online for you. So what are you, what are you going to do but teach, right? Students respond to love, relationship building, right? Um, one of the things I do, even when we have testing, right? Like Kahoot, right? Most students, oh, you want to do, take a test. Oh, well, what's the answer? Let's, let's do a quiz and things of that nature. No, Kahoot, right? We're going to do five Kahoots over the week. And whoever, the highest score, I'm taking you to Chipotle for lunch. Word, let's go, right? It's not robbery. My $15 to take a student to Chipotle <laughs> to get like Kahoot and like competition, right? And I want to tell you, I was going to take students out regardless, right? Um, so relationship building. Um, See on your Instagram, like your students love you. They do. Your students love you. And like, that's the only thing that I strive for. Like my interview mm-hmm. for my job that I'm, where I'm going to be teaching in the fall, like that was, they were like, what would make you feel like you succeeded as a teacher? And I'm like, if they like me, like, I'm like, because like, if they don't like me, they're not going to learn nothing from me. And, and so know, everything else is like, what was the point? You know what the issue is, right? Most teachers are afraid to build a relationship with their students because they're like, oh, I don't want the kids to see me as their friend, right? And, right, students know that we're, we're not friends, right? But the issue with with that is, oh, I want to see as friends, but you're okay with them seeing seeing you as your enemy, mm. right? Most most students look at teachers as the enemy, like you're the enemy, right? But with when you build relationships and you build a community type of atmosphere, then it's not like no, we're not friends, we're not enemies, right? We're a part of a community. I'm learning, right? We're all a part of this village. We all have our roles. We're all brothers and sisters, right? And part of what we do is we have a um, rites of passage program, right? Where we uh, teach a student's character. And I have like the same set of boys for four years, right? Like we really are like innovative and intentional. I feel like all students, all teachers should have, um, all schools should have a rites of passage program. I have advisees. I have like seven to eight advisees that I had since freshman year. Mm-hmm. in their junior year and we stick with them and I call them like hey how you doing what's going on um one of my students in my class's birthday was yesterday I text him for his birthday hey happy birthday more life more blessings keep elevating right like most teachers don't even give out that number every student has my number they can facetime me they can call me right like it's it's all love I go to their basketball games um like opportunity like yeah I I had this 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 conversation with somebody the other day like I have from my I have one teacher from high school that like he like that's it like I have one teacher from high school that I'm like oh I need something oh I want a question oh I just want to want to throw something back and forth with you that I can go to that doesn't make any sense doesn't. You knew me for four years, and my high school was tiny. So everyone in that building knows my name. Everybody right. in the building knows my name. So why is there only one of you that I feel this connection with? Because they all are of this system of thinking that like teaching is a profession. I need to be professional. I need to be the one in the front of the classroom. I'm yep. in charge. If you let them run over you, they wouldn't run over you if they understood the boundaries of the classroom yep. and felt like they were a part of creating that. We got a long way to go, but of course, but it's just amazing to know we have people who understand and who get it. And so I think like, I'm just sitting here trying to process um, how different your way of thinking and many people who are on this podcast, but we're only at 25 episodes, 26 episodes. And so the, and so I'm out here and I'm reaching and I'm like, let's have these conversations with a bunch of different people, but then how many teachers how many more teachers are on the are of the of the thinking that like there's only one way to do it this is the right way and let's not change anything because you also have to think about the pressure it puts on teachers like you you're doing a lot more than any of my high school teachers i can tell you that right now i used to watch shark tank for eco and goes that was that was our that was our e- economics class watching shark tank 
That's cool. But that's all we did the whole semester. Mm-hmm. Like no write-ups after, no project, just watch Shark Tank. Because he was done. He did not care. He was over it. And I love him. No, mm-hmm. like, I was a senior. I was trying to get out there anyway. But it's like, you're putting so much more onus on the outcome. Yeah. Than a lot of other teachers. You take pride in the outcome. You know, they, honestly, I think we're, you know, I look at this as, you know, we're, we're freedom fighters, right? Mm-hmm. And um, not freedom fighters in terms of freeing students, right? Like freedom minds, but we're fighting with students, fighting against this oppressive system, right? So really, that's what I'm doing. And honestly, if you go in that classroom, you got to be fearless, right? Like, honestly, like, um, I, you know, I have an administration that like trusts me, trusts me and like, let me do what I, you know, need to do. Um, but some, sometimes it's not like that. It wasn't always like that for me, but I came to the point to where my understanding and teaching is like, I cannot sell my soul mm. or be wor- just working for this check or, or I can't approach it that way. Right. Or just be an overseer. Mm. Right. I go most most teachers like overseers, right? And I'm trying to build like a legacy and, and students and like build character and like folks who are gonna fight the system and go on and you know, not go back to their communities and build, right? And most teachers are there being being overseers, right? And 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 um I, I look I tell you know, I tell teachers all the time when I speak to them, it's like when's the last um Name a famous overseer in history. I'll wait. I'll wait. Not never. But name a famous abolitionist, right? Someone who, who like, there's from all walks of life, right? Harriet Tubman, Nat Turner, John Brown, right? Like, like all, all walks of life, right? Um, the boys, Anna Julius Cooper, right? Like, there's all these folks who are freedom fighters for education, right? And um, abolitionists and all of these things, but the reason why we're, we're so socialized and, and colonized is really we have a colonial mindset when we come in the classroom, right? Is because the admin is colonized, right? And a part of this part of the system where the education is colonized. How do we expect teachers to change in a system that's been the same for the since the hundred years since his invention and Horace Mann and the bell curve and you know nineteen, you know still sitting in desks and roles, how do we expect teachers to change in a year or five years of education where the system has been the same for 100 years, 100 plus years? And and then there's also so many systems that have Mm -hmm. to change in order to change this one. Teacher programs, the way teachers are taught to be teachers. Mm -hmm. If, If we're still teaching teachers to be teachers by telling them that they have to be at the front of the classroom lecturing and managing and know, understand discipline, then... Again, it's the cycle never stops. And so it has to be cut off and it has, and it's going to take people who, again, like you said, are freedom fighters and are fighting for a liberated learning, fighting for a a type of learning that, that puts students out there, not only with facts and figures, but with skills and character, like you said, and love and all of these different things that like create a a decent human being. (laughs) And that's what we need in the world. We need a bunch of really awesome human beings who want to see the change. Right. And most and most of our and most of our schools, right, um, are just, you know, like um form um building structures, right, for like the, the school to prison pipeline, right? And I'm not I'm not like there's one one student, right, that I have. Brilliant, right? Faye. Hey Faye. Um and she uh she um pretty much sometimes she likes to sit outside of the classroom and do her work. So, you know, I could approach this two ways, right? I can go and be like, yo, you need to come in the classroom. You need to be in the class and listen to me and things of that nature. But I'm like, all right, do what you got to do, right? Um, we're, and she'll be like, well, I, I took notes. We're doing it independently. Why can't I just sit out here, right? And I'm like, all right, go to the, sit out there. If that's where you do work at the best, do it there. And she's been like killing it online, right? She's been, she's been, I was like, you know what? Like, 
you're doing way better here than in school, right? And I was like, I, but I get it though, because you already in the, always in the hallway anyway, right? Not, you didn't want to be inside the class. And I think I'm a great teacher, but she didn't want to be, she just doesn't like the class and what it represents, right? And most of the folks, most students were seeing like, um, students who like are doing better online is like, they never had an issue with the teacher, right? They probably never had an issue with, with the students. It's just like the, the building was a, 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 a conduit of oppression, right? And like home is a safe haven, right? And I'm just saying like that's like a, a, like a, a small amount of students. I don't know how many students, right? Because there's some students who like right, they need the classroom, right? They need the one-on-one time. Everyone has different modalities, but in most of the schools like Oh, you're in your hallway. You know, no one in the hallway. No one doing their work. You know, go to the dean, suspend it, like all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, if a student don't, if a student don't come online during class hours, you're gonna do. Oh, you're suspended. Go home. What now? What? Exactly. Right? So the con- the consequences, right? Like didn't really matter because it didn't change the behavior. You didn't get at the root on the root of it, right? And that's why, like, you know, most. Schools are like trying to implement like restorative justice, restoratively sustaining pedagogy and relevant pedagogy, right? And that's great. That's the first step, right? But really, and we need to move to another step, which is like um, transformational justice, right? Not just restoring something, and that's what our education system needs, right? Like transformational justice, not reform, not restoring to its free, like, and I hope once the COVID thing is early, and we're going to talk about this later, is not restoring that, oh, we got to restore school to its previous glory. It's like saying, make America great again. Like, what? Like, are you, no, like, it's not, it's not restoring it. It's not, right? It's, it's how do we transform? Form this system and our meanings of justice and what it could look like inside a classroom, right? To make sure that we're taking a, a system that is like wood and you know, uh, you know, rotten, and we're transforming it like an alchemist to become gold, right? We're not changing it for something, but we're changing the elements and the molecules within inside of it and the fabric of how we teach and how we learn to become something new to where it could be like something as precious as gold. Right now, our uh, education system is like rotten wood and most of our classrooms are like rotten wood, which physically and metaphorically are without re- under-resourced and probably like, have, right, like, problems and in the wood right and in the in the building within itself and the structure so that and i think that's what we need to go to is educators in our classroom transformational justice restorative justice but our whole educational system needs to be transformed right i completely agree just i completely agree throw this one out bring it back but yeah and so that just brings us perfectly into the next question of like what needs to happen like i feel like you already said what needs to happen yeah um when we go back to school i think that's Mm -hmm. that's where this conversation goes from here it's like yes we understand that right now we're in a very difficult time schools they had to do what they had to do in the snap of a dime because that's what needed to happen but i but the issue is is that we need to make sure that we're put that we're continuing to put pressure on the fact that we cannot let up um in this in this call for change in our education system because when kids go back to school when we talk from a social and emotional standpoint yeah you don't know what that looks like like there's some people whose homes are a safe haven for them and they are happy to be home right now and there are some people where their homes aren't safe and yeah. so i remember like if this happened to me when i was 10 i don't know what i would have done like mm-hmm. I, I i don't know what i would have done because school for me was where i was popular it's where i thrived it was where i was important it was mm-hmm. where i was heard it was where i was listened to and so that's the space that i wanted to be in all the time and so mm-hmm. the idea of going from only being at school for the two hours getting ready in the morning and the four hours after school I, like being there 24 7 for a month i mm-hmm. like I'd have been a mess. And by the time I came back to school, the kind of student that I was, I might not have been the same. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the key, key pieces. Like schools are cutting um, uh, psychologists and social workers and all. Y'all gonna need a one-to-one almost because Mm -hmm. people are gonna be coming back with traumas that we didn't know that they had because schools don't do a good enough job of knowing their students um, and knowing what's going on in the home of students. But 
like what are your thoughts on that like the idea that like all of these other things are really important and like create recreating the system and all that is amazing but from a social emotional standpoint what yeah. happen in the space of school buildings when we get back from 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 this crazy hiatus <laughs> so and i'm I, i'm praising myself i think the model is, is is perfect um right we we do have a youth development um called we have a we hold social emotional and academics mm. um the same way um so it's like if you look at like a social emotional academics restorative justice and cultural responsive education skills comp- like that's the whole model right so one there's a the same things that we need to um do when we get back to school was probably like the same things that we needed to do when we were in the school in the first place right this this is a systemic <laughs> problem right like folks are yes like affected by covid right but that students are coming in in classrooms with trauma already right students are coming in with like from low social economic status homes and different things and life experience so, um as well so we do need more social workers and psychologists and um experts in the school right to to get more services right um in my school there's probably like one or two like social workers per per grade um now but like i remember like our guidance like these guidance council i remember my school was like one guidance council for like 300 students and other is more right there's no way that's gonna work right we need more folks focusing on social emotional skills and youth development right like confidence is a skill right mm-hmm. management is a skill self-regulation to be able to self-regulate inside of a classroom that's a skill that sometimes i'm working i can't even like i'm all, all all over the place right that's a learned skill so definitely social emotional skills as well as academic skills right um we need we also need to think about how we look at school right one of the things that like they was like oh school is like a hotbed for the coronavirus cuz students are bunched up with each other why why is it like that in the first place why did 30 kids in each class right like the, the science shows like you shouldn't have a lot of students in the classroom to begin with cuz students don't learn well in spaces like that so forget the whether corona or not like we need to find um uh ways to lessen the classroom right lessen the amount of students in the classroom and we need a more um special education um special teachers who teach yes. students with special yes. needs because there's like what one uh teacher who um who um who specializes um for the whole grade for four subjects right and that's just not my school sometimes it's one for the whole school and i'm i'm really thinking about the students with special needs right now who have an issue not only learning in a school building but learning online without the extra support and the services that are getting and they're already a year or two years behind right so we're going to need we already need more of those um but we really need to think about um testing i hope they like eradicate that throw it out throw it out the window um uh my roommate and I were joking yesterday about like uh when when he ha- when has he ever like used the pythagorean theorem <laughs> Like we we had to we had to use Pythagorean theorem, right? It's like a throwback on you, right? Like, but when am I going to use it? We need, we need like taxes right now would be a great thing to start teaching kids, right? Like, if you didn't do your taxes and the stimulus, right? Like, is like a lot of real world things that we could be teach. We could like instead of cutting S Y E P, right? And those some of you jobs, we could have like um. gave kids a fellowship to learn how to code right like we could have done so many things with that money um we could have, like sent kids uh to college classes just not all oh, the free courses that Harvard are getting no like hey we're going to give you a fellowship cuz in college you get a fellowship like I was a Melinda Mays fellow mm-hmm. to in your track 
for, for your specialty. I'm like, hey, we're gonna use this money and we're gonna give you a fellowship and you take this class online and we're gonna pay you to take this class and you can get college credit, right? So we need to think about more opportunities, um, apprenticeship programs for kids, right? Um, some of the kids in my uh, school, they're in apprenticeships. So they, like junior year, they come to the school, um, they come to the school like half the day and then they go to apprenticeships and they go working. Um, I was like, I'm like, man, like when are students gonna uh, learn um, the content, right? But with no, like with the testing out the way, right? There's a whole, and the, pro and the projects, right? The projects go across like a five week span. So students can work independently. We can look at apprenticeship programs. So where students stagger the amount, some students come half of the day, they do online the other half of the day. Like we need to bridge online and in-class learning. Mm. Um, and we really need to start preparing students to uh, participate in this global world that we're in, right? So I think we should bridge the online component with the in-class component as well. Um, students, like, I, I always think of schools, right? And I think schools, and I, I study a lot, you know, the Black church during the Civil Rights Movement was like the center of like the, the movement, right? And the community, everyone went to the church for everything. I think schools have that power to be at the center of the community. What other organization has contacts with the youth the parents and is rooted in the community, right? Like we need to start partnering with, um, we need to start partnering with community-based organizations, right? We need to start um, um, really looking at the school as a place for rev like revolution and to transform communities, right? Like, I don't see why not, right? So we really have to move towards a, a community-based model where we see the school as one with the community but actually leading most of the community efforts right there's no reason why right like students at my school like they go and um they go and um they do like the black lives matter march right i've seen students like protest against um anti um anti-bullying protests mm -hmm. um my students um uh, with the project, um, I said, hey, yeah, you know what, we should, like, we have a WhatsApp group right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's sometimes, you know, when, if the online thing crashes, like, um, but like, all right, class today is in a WhatsApp group. Let's, let's go. Who's, who has a discussion question? Let's go. And they're all texting their answers in a WhatsApp group, right? Maybe. But one thing I was like, yo, you know what we should do? We should do a podcast. And I was like, oh, let's do a podcast. And I was like, oh, we could call it, um, you know, we could, yeah, it could, it, we could call it the, the, the rabbit hole. I'm like, the rabbit hole? I'm like, what? what? It's like, yeah, it's like, we're, um, we're uh, AP U.S. history students um, digging deeper to analyze social, political, and economic and current events um, um, with their insightful teacher, because we couldn't do it without you. Yep, and in three hours, they had the... They had the uh, they had the flyer out. Um, they had the flyer out for the podcast. They had the uh, the the emails like rabbitholekids at gmail dot com. They had the YouTube page. They they had so like they had everything figured out. Um, and they was like, oh, we can put our discussion questions up. We can create a blog. And like they figured it like three hours. Everyone came together, and I was like, wow, right? Those are the type of things that we need, we can be doing inside of the classrooms, right? Like, why is social media so, like, alienated from the classroom? Like, we're not in the 1900s anymore. Like, we're not doing textbooks. Like, I, like honestly, everything that I teach inside of a classroom, students can learn on YouTube. Simple. Like, they can Google it right but there's a way in which you administer information and use everything around us to to be able to um do that
right? Teachers, right? We're um, New York, the DOE, I, I think they're going on a hiring freeze. We actually need more teachers in the classrooms, right? So we, especially online, like if I was in school right now, I would be hiring right now, right? Not so much that you're going to lead a classroom right now. Like if you got to step to my school, I would bring you on right now, mm-hmm. right? To provide, to help out. Hey, I know like, hey, if you want to make some extra money, here's some procession. Here you go. Um, we need students that can use one-on-one support. Can you support these f- group of five students? Absolutely. Right? So so for me, it's like we actually need more teachers in the building, in the classroom, and don't make, oh, more, like, because the work is not a lot, right? Um, teachers need more sick time, right? And, and like, paid leave. Like, there were teachers who did not want to leave the school, and they were sick because they didn't have any more sick days or personal days. And they will be penalized and it will be taken out of their check, right? Like, how many teachers feel comfortable calling out from home? Yeah. So right? Really just changing the dynamic of what happens in a school building. And I think, like, mm-hmm. what you were talking about in terms of having the school be the center of the community, like, that is the future of Black on Black education. Like, right mm-hmm. now, we are a podcast. We are, like, that and we're trying to bring awareness to the conversation and bring a love of learning and bring an, 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 an empowerment of everyone who is part of a learning community, not just within the the confines of the school building, but that's the future. Like the future is having a space in communities that is the school, that is the Mecca, that is the place Mm -hmm. that makes sense where everyone can go to not only empower themselves um, emotionally, but be able to empower themselves through the the love of learning and and what they're not getting from school so like we want to provide supplemental education about Mm -hmm. all the things that they're not getting in school and have a space where this is where the community goes like this is where our community congregates this is where we go when we need something there's anything that's going on in the community when you go into this building that is the place where you're going to be able to find it and that is what school should be that's what a true school should be it should be an incredible community center that is available and ready and willing for the entire community to partake in right like one of the things my school does is like um job fairs and like and like um bring in like everyone has career day right like why why aren't we using those same career days where professionals come in where students can bring their parents and like interview for jobs and like find out jobs or like resources like mm-hmm. like all these COVID resources going out right we should have been doing that for families should have been doing that like why don't we have like free like why don't students like have hot hot spots like like if you can connect to a Wi-Fi and you know, Prospect Park, like, why, why couldn't, like, why is there not, like, like, Wi-Fi and things of that nature, so, like, we really need to, and really, what we really need to do is listen to students and teachers, right, so, because most of the, most of these things that our folks struggle with, like, teachers being in school, like, you know, if you just do this and that, this will fix it, right? Like we need innovative, transformational thinking, and just not for folks who, who have who have charter schools or get charter schools or get a charter, right? No, the Department of Education, the folks in the ed, like you need to innovate. This system does not work. It doesn't work for a good amount of students, and you can see that through the. Um, the achievement scores, not even test, but just like development, right? Like how many students are a part, like three grade levels below? Like there's no reason why I should be getting a student that's in high school, but in an elementary level, right? That's, that's, that's genocide, right? That, that's, that's a pandemic that we haven't been able to solve before COVID, right? So we really need to really look at like how we approach teaching and learning. And the same way we, we shifted for like in th- three days to a week for this online learning, why can't we, you mean like we couldn't shift for the last hundred years, right? Like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Oh, I think we got in so much in this conversation. And I think like, I'm gonna re-listen to this and be like, yep, so this is what I need to put on my plan for black and black education. Yeah. <laughs>
cool because it is it's just so true like all, everything that we had this conversation about is just so true and it's so important because again like the education system and when we talk about it from a public standpoint like that is supposed to be the great equalizer it's supposed to be this how can it be when it's oppressive for certain groups how can it be when we're telling certain people that they have to be a particular way it's just not possible and so everything that we talked about throughout this conversation adding those things into the 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 way that all schools from a public standpoint work I mean, that's the only way that we fix it. Because again, you can keep making charter schools all over the place. That's wonderful. But if that charter is by a lottery system, only the people lucky enough to get picked are going to have the opportunity to have that education. And that's not a great equalizer. It just can't be. <laughs> and, I, and I think like most people like, oh, we need like education reform. Like, no, right? Like this changing from changing from um, in the school to online learning, that's revolutionary. That's a revolution. The system just overturned. That's all it is. It's a mass change of a system that just happened, right? And one thing I would try, like, like tell teachers to try not to do is take your traditional learning <laughs> and try to put in the online space, right? Like, you have to innovate. You have to find new things that can work. And, you know, it's, it's like, really basic, right? Like, what is Newton's law of physics? The object in motion stays in motion until acted upon by equal or more powerful force, right? Like this, like, I'm sorry that we got to a pandemic. I hope the pan is the equal opposite force, but like, you know, the like we need, cause, cause racism is, is, is radical, right? Sexism, like these things, are, educational inequality, institutional racism, right? Those things our, our, our school of prison, that's radical. That, that's ra- radical. So we need radical solutions right. to fight radical problems, right? And the other thing is true for it too. An object in rest stays in rest until acted upon an equal, like... So saying, I'm, but I'm not racist doesn't do it. Being anti-racist does it. Right? Like, we, we, gotta, <laughs> do, we gotta do more. So if I can just say anything like we need not to only add culturally responsive teaching and culturally responsive practices and be like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna, um, <laughs> we're gonna uh, celebrate Black history, right? That's culturally responsive. Like, yeah, okay. And like, how many Black teachers are in your school building? How many Black and Latinx um, teachers, right? Shout out to, you know, equitable schools, Black teachers matter. But like, how many of them are in the school building, right? Like, you have how to- How many of them are you listening to in the right? school and how many of them, right, most of the time where, where, you know, I see with Black teachers, mostly, like, and Black men, is, like, when we go for, like, higher positions or, like, curriculum specialists or directors and stuff like that, we're mostly regulated, regulated to be the dean, the disciplinarian, right, the mm-hmm. punisher, right, uh, right, like, this plantation model of schools is not working, right, it, it's not working, right, so we really need uh, a radical approach to a, um, to really solve a radical um, and just system, right? So there's a lot of things we can do, but um, it, it starts, I mean, it starts now, right? So, and I think that's like the perfect spot to start to kind of round out. And so just to round out the conversation, we do this with every podcast episode. We give the, um, the guests an opportunity to become the interviewer and ask me any questions as it pertains to Black on Black education, um, anything you've wondered or pondered upon about what's going on. And yeah. Well, I know, <laughs> I know that um, you are entering, <laughs> right, the, the teaching um practice right like as um as a new as a new teacher like how do you how do you plan on uh leveraging like what what is your what is your message for like new teacher teachers who are going in the classroom next year right (laughs) i think mine is and and again you did teach for america as a black person so listen I tell them all the time. So I'm, I don't, I don't bite my tongue. Sorry. 
Um, everyone who I've had conversation with who wants to do teach for America, I try and, and enter the teaching profession at all. I try to explain my life experience and explain Mm -hmm. how powerful the, the experience I've had with teachers has been for the trajectory of my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, my third grade teacher, I will never, ever forget her for, um, for the rest of my life. She was a black woman. She was Haitian. She was beautiful. She was like this just incredible person to me. And she put me in my first advanced classes. She put me in my first like pre and post school, like um, testing to see like where I was at with reading and all these things. She invested in me as a human being. And she didn't downgrade me because of who she thought I was. She saw that I could be something and then said, oh, let me raise those expectations then. She can't just be doing the work that we're doing in class because she's, she's at a different level and, she sh- and we need to keep pushing that. And so her giving me that allowed me to become the person that I am against all of the odds within, with it, that I had within my life. And so that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to do that for a child and if this is a i want to give back to my community then this is not for you go rake some leaves like giving back to your community is so much more than that when you're stepping into a classroom mm-hmm. and so no matter what your path to teaching is you have to push against this this we have to save them mentality because that's not enough it's yeah. we have to change with them if I want this student to do better, be better, I have to do better and be better. And so as a te- like as someone who's going into the teaching profession, I have a profound amount of, of gratitude to my educational experience. And so I'm bringing that in with me. And if you're and at the very least, if you're not doing that and then telling yourself that things that you learned are not how the world works, then I mean, maybe this is not for you. Sorry. <laughs> I, I I love that. Um, and one of the things you said, like, is that the the savior mentality, like, right when the Europeans came to this country and Thank gave you. smallpox to indigenous people, smallpox. Okay, they 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 came to save them, right? And knowing that each and one thing you said, knowing that each student is different, and I love you're going to be a. Every, Every student is different. Every teacher is different. And that's the issue with like standardized way of being because you standardize the curriculum, you standardize the teacher, then you standardize the students, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm definitely they looking. Meet, and then when they don't meet that standard, then they're not, they are the problem. problem, not the standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we have to understand that. And so, and so I think that I'm blessed to be having all these incredible conversations uh, before I step into the classroom. And I know I'm still going to get in there and be like, whoa, child. Yep. But I'm, I feel ready and prepared in a way because I have my head on to the fact that like, I have to work within this system, but that doesn't mean that I can't add things and change things and tweak things um, from the position that I have currently. Right. I, I love that you're doing that because this is how like, this is how people learn, right? This is how the, the grill, right? Learning from others who came before you are, who's where you're at, right? Like, you know that it's talking to people in the profession that's going to get you there. You can't just read a Teach Like a Champion book and then, like, go inside the classroom after five weeks. And, and be like, like yes, I right? got it. <laughs> no. Um, and so just to round it out, I think this was such an incredible conversation. Let people know where they can find you on social media so that they can see how much your students love you also. <laughs> uh, at Amalu Arande, Amalu, A-M-A-L-U-O-R-O-N-D-E. Amalu means if you do not try, you will not succeed. Arande, anointed and appointed. Um, shout out to my students in South Bronx, Community yes. High School, Brownsville, um, my students in Brownsville, all, all students, um, and Dugan and Zynga. And um, thank you. For yes, that was cool. Looking forward to coming to your class. <laughs>